0: history of the education of women in Torah takes us back to the city of Prague. Welcome to the Ideas That Change the World podcast with Rabbi Manus Friedman, where we make sure your life will be changed for the better, one idea at a time. Rabbi Friedman is the number one voice of clarity on moral and social issues. So what are we waiting for? Let's go change the world. The history of the education of women in Torah takes us back to the city of Prague. The rabbi, the chief rabbi of Prague, Rabbi Yehuda Lowy, known as the Maharal, the Maharal of Prague, uh, popularized the study of Kabbalah in his community those who studied Kabbalah had a different philosophy a different approach to uh, education than the average observant committed practicing Jew. Nowhere in the world were women being educated in philosophy, theology uh, or sciences but those who studied Kabbalah began to educate their daughters in All areas of Torah, in all parts of Torah, including the Kabbalah itself. One such example was the Maharal's wife, whose name was Pearl. We don't know a lot about her background or her family, but once she was married to the Maharal, we know that they spent time together studying the Talmud, the Code of Jewish Law, and Kabbalah. The Maharal was a prolific writer, and uh, we know that all of his works were edited by his wife, by Peril. We even know of eight occasions in which she had to correct his quotes or his references from uh, the Talmud and from the commentaries. She said of herself, that since she was a teenager not a day had gone by that she hadn't spent at least five hours in study. It's therefore difficult to imagine that when the Maharal created his humanoid, created the golem, that he uh, didn't, uh, in, didn't uh, tell his wife or that she didn't know that this was a golem. The tradition says that she didn't know, and there are these stories about how she asked the golem to to do something and forgot to tell him when to stop. And since it had only artificial intelligence, it had to be told when to stop. And she, but these stories don't don't ring true because that was that was not expected. It was not in character with uh, Pearl uh, and and of the Maharal to leave her out of such a project. This became a tradition among those who studied Kabbalah. There were those very traditional Jews who were very much against the study of Kabbalah. They mocked it, they ridiculed it, they thought it was it was uh, either blasphemous because the study of Kabbalah was too holy, too intense, too mystical for the average person, or they called it frivolous and irresponsible and uh, and since not since the kabbalah didn't seem to be of practical importance they considered it frivolous one of the descendants of the maharal and of pearl uh, the maharal by the way uh, traces his family tree back to the house of king david and in fact had a family tree printed up uh, Written up, that uh, that actually mentioned all the names of the uh, of the predecessors of the ancestry that uh, that led back to King David himself and and his son Solomon. One of the descendants of the Maharal was a man by the name of Repshneir Zalman. This was not the Alter Eben this was the grandfather of the Altadeb after whom he is named. He married a woman called Rachel. Rachel. Rachel's father, whose name was Baruch Batlan, that's how he was called, his real name was Baruch Portugaler, because he came from Portugal. He was among those Jews who fled from Portugal during the Inquisition, because he refused to convert to Christianity. Uh, Baruch Batlin, as he was known, in the um, in the in the area, was a great scholar, a very pious man, and he was associated with the Baal Shem of Zamash, which was a pre a pre runner for the Baal Shem Tov, and this was a group of hidden hidden mystics, all of them who studied Kabbalah, and because of that. Reb Baruch Batlan educated his daughter Rachel from a very young age, and she was a scholar in all areas of Torah, in the Talmud, in the codes of law, in Maimonides, and but particularly in the practical laws of everyday life. When she was engaged to Reb Shneir Zalman, who had no idea that his father-in-law, his future father-in-law, was a member of the secret group of, of mystics and that his intended wife was in fact a scholar. When they had gotten married, uh Schneir Zalman very innocently um, checked with his wife and said, uh, are you familiar with the laws of a Jewish home? <laughs> and, and she kept it a secret from him because not everybody was comfortable in those days with the idea of a woman being a scholar or being learned. One day, after they were married, it was a Shabbos afternoon, and they were all walking home from the synagogue. There was a Batlan, his son, Binyamin, Rachel's sister, and the son-in-law, law uh, Reb Schneier Zelman. Rachel was walking with her mother and her and a friend. They were all walking home from Shul. Now, in the the different uh, towns and townlets in Europe, uh, people practiced the laws of carrying with some variations, some being more strict than others. For example, in some areas, according to the authorities of that area, no gloves were worn on Shabbos because they can be removed and then accidentally carried through the street. And so the only time a person would wear gloves is if they were attached to the sleeve. In the city of Posen, where this Reb Baruch Batlin lived, there was an Erev around around the town, around the city, and um, which permitted them to carry on Shabbos. An Erev means that the city was encircled with a, uh, with a rope, with a cord, uh, on posts that kind of enclosed the entire town so that it made it all into one private property. And so you were allowed to carry from the house to the street and you're allowed to carry in the street itself. And so they wore gloves on Shabbos as was fashionable in those days uh, without sewing them to the sleeves. As they were making their way home from the synagogue, the men were not only wearing gloves but they were also carrying uh, their, their their talus, and uh, I think it was the brother Benjamin who was carrying some of the some books that he was going to study at home. As they were walking along, a um, a man came running up to them, saying that the Erev had broken the string that was enclosing the city, that made it all one property or one area, had been severed, had torn and they were no longer allowed to carry in the street or from the street to the house. Now, they all stood there a little bit caught by surprise, a little bit perplexed as to what exactly they should do now with the gloves that they're wearing and the things that they were carrying. To everybody's surprise, Rebarach Batlan turned to his daughter Rachel and said, Rachel, you know the laws. Tell us what to do. He then turned to the men and said, Of course we are all great scholars, but sometimes when you get very scholarly, you kind of forget the practical everyday law. She knows, so we'll go by what she says. And he turned to her again, he said, Go ahead, tell us. What should we do? What is the exact procedure for being caught in the street on a Shabbos afternoon when you're with, with things in your hands and you're not allowed to carry? Well, at first she was hesitant because she wasn't sure what her husband's reaction would be to, the, to discovering that she, was, that she was a learned, scholarly woman. But her father insisted, and so she told them. She said, the gloves we can continue to wear, since we're already wearing them, and the danger is that we might forget and remove them from our hands and carry them, rather than wear them, but since we're all together, we will, we will not permit that forgetfulness and we will remind each other so that danger doesn't exist.